welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, I speak with Catherine Mahoney about the recent UK giving report from the Charities Aid Foundation, CAF. Catherine and I speak about her background and the work that she does as research manager at, at CAF. We speak about the trends in fundraising, the impact of the pandemic, and what charities can learn from this to help them adapt their approach to fundraising now and into the future. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, fundraising platform Work for Good, and the festive small business star match funding campaign. This year, there's £50,000 match funding pot available. Head to workforgood.co.uk to sign up for free. So without further ado, here is Catherine Mahoney speaking with me about the UK Giving Report. I'm delighted to be joined by Catherine Mahoney, Research Manager at CAF. Catherine, welcome to Charity Chat. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you. Hi. We're really grateful to have you. And, and you know, CAF is uh, it's an organisation that a lot of our listeners will, will know and use, as I do. Maybe if you can start by talking about your background and what you do now in your role at CAF. Yeah. Is it worth me just sort of explaining what CAF is, just for those who yeah, don't know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so 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 Charities Aid Foundation is is a charity itself. Is that we're actually one of the largest charities in the UK, um, but we're not really all that widely known amongst the general public. Sure. Um, but like you say, lots of charities have heard of us, and we are really all about um, championing better giving. And we've been doing that for more than ninety years now. So we we bring together donors and charities, and companies and policymakers to to try to make a bigger impact and um we offer financial services to charities so we offer a day-to-day banking service and lending service which is designed exclusively for charities um in my role so i'm the research manager as you say so my team oversees all of the public polling that we do and also the charity polling that we've been doing over the course of this pandemic looking at the broad trends really in giving um, amongst the public and and how charities have been have been faring so that that's what we've been up to and and is that has that process of getting information from the public been easier or, or harder because of the pandemic well actually we've been running this um the, the the report that i'm hoping to talk to you a bit about today called uk giving we've been running it for many years actually one guise or another mm. and we've been doing it um in an online survey for about five and a half years now. So we didn't actually have to make any changes. Before you, before you had this role at, at CAF, uh, Charity Day Foundation CAF, what, what were you, what, was this the kind of trajectory of your career has led you here or have you done lots of different things? I've been a researcher for quite a long time now, probably mm-hmm. about f- 15 or more years. Um, but uh, Charity Day Foundation is the first charity that I've worked for. So I spent my earlier career in a number of large um global research agencies like um ipsos mori which you might have heard of oh yeah yeah and and other kind of similar organizations yeah i suppose presumably from from the research that you're doing you're gaining a better understanding of maybe a lot of the uh, assumptions that we generally make in society is that right so you kind of getting the evidence to support conclusions and is that what you like about it yeah i mean it's all numbers but what interests me is that there are people behind those numbers and that's what i personally like um, so I am a quantitative researcher, so I do look at spreadsheets, but it's it's really interesting to see, yeah, how how people 
act in real life, how they respond to things. And this um, sort of last, whatever it is, 18 months or, or more, it is really the sort of, it, it's, it's the year or two that's kind of made for big um, ongoing research pieces like this, because you can see changes in behaviour quite, yeah. quite at a kind of higher level. I find that really, really interesting. I suppose my background is is in fundraising and marketing. And the of course, the aim of marketing is essentially to change people's behavior or to or to, you know, kind of look at how they're behaving and then um adhere to that and, and to kind of find ways of moving people to give or um or support a cause. And I suppose I find it really fascinating that you know you can from the from the types of questions you're asking people, you can build a picture about how people are feeling, and and I suppose also one of the challenges is is isn't it sometimes that people aren't always um, completely aware about how they feel about specific things, and then you have to kind of tailor questions in a careful way or multiple questions to really reach the 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 truth. Yeah, I mean there are certainly clever ways that you can ask um, ask questions to get at the truth. Obviously, we we try um, extremely hard not to ask leading questions because it's sure. actually. Pol- Polling in and of itself can sometimes um, kind of create a public opinion, if you like, yeah. in, a, in a slightly sort of false sense. But um, yeah, I mean, our, our survey is quite straightforward. We, we're not using any um, sort of fancy projection techniques, which, which you can do in other surveys. So it is very much a kind of tell us what you've done in the last month in terms of charity. And yeah, um, yeah and, and that's the basis of our of our research. So you're your research manager at CAF, Charities Aid Foundation, and you've overseen the recent UK giving report, as you mentioned. What most surprised you about the report? Um, there were a few things, actually. So, um, so sort of just to give a very brief bit of background. So we, we survey about a thousand people every month. Um, and then at the end of the year, we kind of we, we wrap it all up and we look at those sort of 12 to 13,000 people that we, that we have in total. So what we saw over the course of the whole of 2020 was that um, really the British people have continued to be actually really quite generous, even in the face of all this massive upheaval. Mm. Um, so we've we've estimated that um, people donated 11.3 billion pounds in 2020 wow. to charity. It was 10.6 billion in 2019, so it looks like a bit of a a shift up. It's yeah. probably worth noting we don't take account of inflation, so we're going to do a separate piece of analysis on that. But obviously, we are in an inflationary environment, yeah. um, so you know each pound doesn't go quite as far. But nevertheless, people people continue to give, and you know we we also know from our research that this is against a backdrop of people being very worried about their own finances. So nearly half of people told us they were worried about their own household income. Um, About a third of people said that they'd personally experienced a decrease in their income because of the pandemic. So I think Mm. the fact that that £11.3 billion was still raised is really um, testament to all those fundraising efforts, uh, like you mentioned, um, you know, and and people's willingness to support charities that are close to their hearts. Yeah, and I suppose we've seen... Kind of their big campaigns, weren't there? Sir, Sir Captain Tom Moore, or Sir Tom Moore, and yeah. uh, that was uh, that was a substantial, kind of tens of millions of pounds raised, wasn't it? Did you get any sense of people doing it? Was there any kind of sense of there being more solidarity because we're all going through this terrible thing together, or anything like that? 
I mean, there were there was a, a marked um, kind of increase in donation amounts around that first lockdown when it was most acute. And like you said, Captain Tom was doing his mm. walk. I think it might have been early May 2020, sometime around there. Yeah. We saw um, a real uplift in the amounts that people were giving, and we saw a, a very clear pivot towards um, people giving to things that were sort of linked to the NHS. So some people mentioned NHS specifically or NHS charities together, which I think is what um, Captain Tom Moore was raising for. Mm-hmm. But just just sort of generally giving to that area. So I think there was a sense of um, of people rallying around and not, not just in terms of giving to charity either. We also asked some other questions about, you know, are you helping people down your street get their prescriptions or get their shopping? Right, and all, okay, you know, yeah. And we picked up a lot of that. So I think there was a, I think there was a sense of solidarity. Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, the, um, I suppose the, the, the worry that's, you know, been around, certainly I I speak for my own house. So, you know, it's been very worrying (laughs) the last couple of years, isn't it? And I'm sure everyone listening has probably been in the same boat that, you know, a day doesn't go by where you don't read something in the news that kind of makes you start feeling concerned for health, Mm. for, those around you for loved ones. There's a lot of work. I suppose the maybe the counter to that is, you know, not being able to do anything um, other than to support, you know, causes that are maybe getting a bit more um, awareness uh, raised about them. I mean, we had Marcus Rashford, didn't we, with the yeah, situation yeah. for for school meals and uh, and that, you know, and then also there's a lot of information about food banks and uh, and and people wanting to uh, to kind of show support there too. So. Yeah, we saw that we saw that come through in our data as well. Actually, about food banks, there was there were um, lots of people saying that they were either had already done so or, or were planning to to give to food banks. And I guess it sort of comes back to that that focus, doesn't it? And in a way, that sort of lockdown period, you almost got you got some time. Well, personally, I as a working mother, kind yeah. of got some time back. And yeah, there was a yeah. Of chance to kind of pause and reflect and actually take note of all this amazing stuff that's going on around you. Yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm uh, before the pandemic, I was going to London five days a week and mm. racking up quite a hefty um bill to do that. And and now, you know, it's working from home largely with a, a bit of uh, traveling. But you know, the I wonder how many, and I don't know if this came out in the survey, but how many people we probably presumably not, but people have saved money in some cases because mm. they're no longer required to commute and travel and things like that. Um and I wonder whether that plays a part in whether people are more willing to give. I suppose the flip side is you've got the uh, the furlough schemes for people down to 80% or some people had lost their jobs completely and all these other things. But Yeah, yeah. It's quite interesting, actually. We're sort of coming back to that point about lots, lots of people saying they were very worried about their finances. That was completely across the board, by the way. So it doesn't matter was if it? you were okay. in the capital industry, you still were worried about your finances. Yeah, yeah. Quite interesting. But um, I'm sure a lot of people found that they had, yeah, just that perhaps that bit extra um, that they, mm. they could donate to other causes i mean we did we have seen um some differences by age cohort so for example um before the pandemic in 2019 it was i think it was 25 to 34 year olds who tended to make the largest donations oh wow okay their, their donations fell last year i found that quite surprising yeah. their donations fell and it was really marked actually for the 16 to 24 year olds and that you know mm. like you say probably because of course that group was hardest hit by you know, unemployment and redundancies and furlough yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. On the flip yeah. side, older people seem to respond by making much larger donations, right, much okay. larger than they had before, which is also quite interesting. So, yeah, it, it's sort of 
the top line figure can hide some hide some things underneath. Talked about uh, legacy giving in the past, uh, and and baby boomers, who I believe are the the, the wealthiest uh, sector of the population at the moment. You know, and this huge transfer of wealth that's coming down the line. So presumably, some of that wealth is being given now, from the sounds of the survey, which is uh, which is you know good. And I'm mean, did I suppose there's this sense of emergency funding, isn't there? There's a sense of um, that, you know, the pandemic hit and a lot of organisations were saying, we need this funding now, you know, and this, I suppose there were, we've talked to other people on the podcast regarding the uh, concerns around giving fatigue and how long the emergency funding can continue. Did you get any sense of that from the the, the report and the, the survey that you did, that people are running out of steam with giving or, or not? Yes, I think there is some sense of that. So what we, what we did see, like I said, um, a few moments ago was that sort of rallying around in that first lockdown the number of people giving then mm. dropped off and it has stayed low yeah. it quite, quite a bit lower than it normally is especially around last Christmas so Christmas 2020 far fewer people were giving than would normally give you know that's really when giving tends to be um, most widespread and also the, the donation amounts tend to be largest but that was notably subdued so I think um I don't know if it's necessarily giving fatigue um although that that may play a part but I suppose I mean just from my own experience for example there's a big a big sort of town firework display in Tunbridge Wells where I live mm. and people are there from a local uh, well-respected hospice collecting money and we not nearly always go to the fire dis- firework display and we nearly always put you know 10 or 20 quid or whatever in the bucket on the way out and you can see yeah. you know pretty much everybody else doing the same but 2020 that didn't happen there was no firework display so right. all those collecting that money so hmm. there, there will have been a lot of um lost opportunities for for casual giving but yes uh, the number of people giving is lower than it would normally be hmm. what we are noticing though is that the donation amounts are a little bit higher and, and i guess that's why we've managed to um, as a country still raised at 11.3 billion but it has been raised by fewer people yeah yeah and I guess that that is probably a worry and and maybe that that in, in of itself is an indication of uh, the challenges that a lot of people in our society are having themselves um, with you know the increased need of food banks and uh, and you know lots of jobs and all these other things zero hours contracts etc etc it's a whole heap of stuff isn't it affecting us I mean there's still a solid core of people who are donating you know still around two-thirds of of, of British adults or people aged over sixteen, anyway, yeah. uh, do do give to do give to charity. But I think I think you're right. I think probably around the edges, we've we've mm. lost some some people who might otherwise have given. Yeah. And did your report does it does it include kind of volunteering? I mean, for those people that can't give, you mentioned before that there are um, uh, kind of there was a in, in the especially the early days of the pandemic. I mean, we saw a lot of people going out to help their neighbour get prescriptions, get shopping, especially when there were the restrictions around how many people could go to the supermarket at any one time. And is is that as presumably that's not factored in that kind of gifting kind or that uh, kind of community spirit, which uh, I suppose in of itself can be kind of could be seen as part of the sector's outputs. That that necessarily isn't necessarily being captured in its entirety I guess well we we do ask about whether or not people have volunteered to charity and that declined in 2020 and again that's never really um picked up to where it was before 
Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. That that question in particular doesn't necessarily capture, like you say, people just helping out their neighbours. Um, yeah. And we, we did see evidence of that in, in a special series of questions that we asked last year. But definitely formal volunteering mm. um, is down. Of course, we know that a lot of older people tend to volunteer. They are they are sort of the over 65 group are getting less involved they're still the most involved but they're less involved than they used to be all, all right. around and yeah. i'm sure and that's because a lot of them are concerned obviously about there was a lot of shielding wasn't there last year shielding. and yeah, yeah yeah and i guess a lot of a lot of shops a lot of the charity shops were closed down that would probably account for some percentage i'd imagine wouldn't it the uh, number of volunteers involved sure. there yeah yeah, I'm sure. And I think I think what we maybe also is a surprise though is that although some of this stuff has sort of picked up, it hasn't really when we opened up in the summer, it never really got back to where it was. So there's obviously mm. still a lot of reticence, you know, for people to be getting out and about and doing these things, understandably, really. We've got many small charities listening to this podcast. In some cases, small groups of volunteers what can they learn from the report the uk giving report and what types of things do you think they can start considering in how their approach might adapt it, it could be that you might need to think about new ways to offer offer the services that you're currently offering or perhaps even new services so we've been doing charity polling throughout the pandemic just sort of very quick polls just to find out to kind of take the temperature if you like of charities and find out how they're coping and in one of those polls, we found out that about seven in 10 charities said that they had made at least sort of one change to the way that they they operate. Mm -hmm. So this seems to be quite widespread. So, um, for example, there's a, a hospice in Torquay that was uh, looking to build new income streams and it um, set up a social enterprise providing frozen meals in sort of during the lockdown. So these are, are, are nutritious um meals to the over 65 markets um sort of getting the benefit of a well-balanced diet and keep their keep their immune systems uh running running well and they mm. they deliver them those meals on a proper proper plate so there's no plastic as yeah, right. that's good good of, for the environment as well good for the environment and they're yeah. and they're growing nicely and they're selling um thousands of meals a month and they they're getting good good um feedback from their customers so there might be new mm. things that you could do um, it might be around how you ask people to give. I mean, in terms of um, the method by which they give. I'm getting a sense from talking to the charities and also talking to the public that the future of giving looks to be kind of a hybrid one, somewhere between mm. digital and face-to-face. -face. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I'm not getting a sense from the public that they're expecting face-to-face -face fundraising to to disappear. Quite the mm. opposite, actually, the overwhelming majority aren't expecting that. Mm. They're expecting to give digitally, but it seems to have a strong human element. So people have talked to us about expecting more contactless donation tins, for example, but not necessarily the removal of, of the people from that interaction. Yeah, yeah. So I think it might be about how to how to bring the the, the human into the interaction if you are mm. uh, doing digital donations. Um, it might be about upgrading your website, make sure that people can give digitally. I mean, what we did see is a huge drop off in cash giving and we've seen that actually in calf bank as well not not, mm. the, not the total amount of money brought in but the amount of actual cash deposited with us declined hugely so um if you've been relying on cash it's probably past time to start thinking about how else you might be able to take those donations and and calf does provide a 
donate option, isn't it? I know it's CAF Donate is kind of a back-end option that people can integrate into their websites and things like that. That's right. That, that, yes, we have a widget called, called CAF Donate, um, and, and there are others as well, obviously. And, we, yeah, mm. um, so online giving pretty much doubled, actually, under that first wow. uh, lockdown. So ca- cash giving kind of went off a cliff, online mm. giving up, mostly through third-party um, platforms like Just Giving and, and similar. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's 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 probably work to do there around incorporating those things into your into your model. Something else that we saw actually is that gift aid is up more. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's really positive, and probably we suspect that's linked to more online giving, right? Because if you mm-hmm. all you've got to do is check check that box, and you've already put your details in there for your card payment or whatever, much easier than you know. I mean, I have personally filled out the, the paper forms, and you've given money. And- it's a real pain isn't it well so- and, and for the charities too i mean i've worked at a lot of small charities i know that you know the you know you get um a gift aid form filled in or or, or a sponsor form filled in it's usually harder where sometimes it's hard to read the writing or sometimes the writing isn't very clearly a, a personal address there are lots of reasons why i suppose charities might also be falling foul of that so having a digital yeah. easily easily read easily filled in form uh, might be a good solution to that problem. So. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, definitely make 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 the most of that um, of that scheme. And I think also um, don't be afraid to ask. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, you did, you did talk about giving fatigue. One thing we did find interesting was that online giving. So the, the number of people giving online, and the number of people who said that they were approached with, by sort of an email campaign, seemed to correlate. Right. And when and when emails taper off, the online giving tapers off as well. So there's probably work to do around keeping those, you know, keeping your donors engaged. Obviously, you don't want to hassle them, but you know, yeah. when people are asked, it seems they tend to respond. I mean, I'm just thinking of an example from my own life. We've supported a charity before, kind of like a wilderness park near Canterbury. Oh, yeah. And you, you you pay a fee, you go in, and there's a bear pit and all sorts. It's great. And they they emailed us, and I sort of I didn't really wasn't really thinking about them to be honest. There was so much going on, but they emailed um, during that first lockdown and said, "Look, we can't take any money from anybody, but we still have all these animals to feed and care for." And it's like, of course, oh, yeah. Wow. So you know, okay, let's send them thirty quid or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think that people don't necessarily object to being asked if they can see see the clear need. Mm. And I think just from our own customers as well, you know, we. we We've worked with charities who seem to have had success when they've been quite clear in their in their communication to their donors. So yeah, a few a few ideas there for um, the things that you could do. And in terms of in terms of the uh, the kind of the future of the UK Giving Report, presumably you'll be doing another one next year uh, to look at how things have progressed after a second year of the pandemic in the UK. Yeah, I mean that—that's the plan at the moment. We 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 plan to continue to continue tracking this. Um, yeah, to, to see what happens, to see if we see the continuation of some of these trends. You know, that fewer people are giving. Is that is that going to bounce back or not? I think it's kind of an open question, and I guess a lot of it depends on Omicron or, or whatever other things. Other are coming strains out we get coming out. Absolutely. Yeah. Catherine Mahoney, thank you for contributing to Charity Chat. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Sam. Pleasure.
big thank you there to Catherine Mahoney for contributing to Charity Chat. It was fascinating to hear about the UK Giving Report and the methodology used to compile this. It's a little disconcerting to hear that there are so many fewer donors here in the UK compared to previous years. I'm not sure if this is also being seen in other countries too. Please let us know if you know this is the case. However, total giving seems to have gone up, showing that those who are giving seem to be giving more. What we don't know is why. If we look at the growing wealth gap in our society and the job losses that have come from the pandemic, the vast furlough scheme, which has given many people less over much of the last two years, this might give us some clues. So while the pot may not be getting smaller, the loss of so many donors suggests that the competition for support may be on the increase. It would also be useful to understand more from charities about whether their funds have gone down or whether their supporter numbers have gone down and they're just seeing larger average gifts. We also don't know how the emergency appeals of the pandemic will continue to perform. Some believe that giving fatigue is setting in or will do so in the short term. What does this mean for charities? Well, one thing is that we need to continue to find ways of establishing long-lasting and thereby cost-effective relationships with our supporters, providing an authentic personal interaction along with reciprocal donor-centred approach to fundraising to help bring supporters into our cause and to live the passion that we and our colleagues hold for it. With less resource, funding, time and energy, this serves to be a big challenge for many of us. And so we must seek out within ourselves and from those around us the support we need to remain resilient, innovative and passionate. Charity Chat will continue to seek out points of view to help us all in this vital endeavour. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, fundraising platform Work for Good and the festive Small Business Star Match Funding Campaign. This year, there's a £50,000 match funding pot available. Head to www.workforgood.co.uk to sign up for free. We also thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Axmit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. Forrester Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Cheerio. Bye-bye. 